Welcome to the Science of Caring podcast. We are going to be speaking with a number of professionals from the Trinity Healthcare System, and I will have each of them introduce themselves in just a moment, but I'd like to just give a brief overview of what we are going to be talking about today. In the book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes, my guests today were co-authors of Chapter 10. The title of that particular chapter is Measuring What Matters in a Multi-Institutional Healthcare System. All of them are from Trinity Health or have been from Trinity Health. And first of all, we have the Chief Nurse Officer, Gay Landstrom, who will be talking more about her role. She was the one that set the vision of our caring science research and continues to pursue caring science research in the Trinity Health System. We're going to take a few minutes, and each of our guests are going to introduce themselves and what role they play within the, our research study that we're going to discuss today and their current roles within the healthcare industry. We'll start with you, Gay, and then Kay, and then Tricia. So, Kay? Thank you, John. My name is Gay Landstrom, and I serve as the Assistant Chief Nursing Officer for Trinity Health. Trinity Health is a large Catholic healthcare system. Uh, across the U.S. We're in 22 states with many hospitals, clinics, senior services, home care, many services across the country, all that are focused on caring. Thank you, Gabe. And Kate? Yes, I'm Kate Takis, and I'm currently the president of the Eastern Iowa region of Mercy One, including Mercy One in Dubuque and Dyersville, Iowa, where the hospitals of focus as part of the caring study. At the time of uh, this work, I was actually the chief nursing officer for Mercy One Dubuque and Dyersville. And Mercy One um, Dubuque, Dyersville are part of the Trinity Health System. Thank you, Kay. We're glad you're joining us. And Tricia. Thanks, John. My name is Tricia Thomas. I'm currently the Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs and an Associate Professor at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. And at the time this work was done, I was serving as the Director of Nursing Practice Research for the Trinity System. I actually had the pleasure of walking alongside uh, Kay and Gay in this work. And then, honestly, I've had the privilege to extend this in our international study and the work that we're doing as we look at, really, the construct of caring and how we help support nurses, health systems, um, engage in caring work. Uh, delighted to be here. Thank you, Tricia. And first of all, I want to just say thank you to all three of you for the contribution that you've provided for Caring Science and for quantifying that so we can show the impact that Caring for Self and Others has not only on our own outcomes, but on most importantly on the outcomes of our patients. And so I'd like to just give a little description of sort of where we started and uh, where we are currently but then really focus on what each of your perspective on the importance of the research we did together, where you are now in research as it relates to caring science, especially during this time of the pandemic and the importance of caring for self and others, and then about our international work that we're doing. Now, several years ago, before we all met, or when we first met, I was contacted by Gay to talk about how we might measure the concepts of caring and specifically how does that relate to the work environment of the nurse. As we know, the quadruple aim asserts that in order to have good outcomes in healthcare, both cost and quality, it's important that the 
worker having good experience because the clinical outcomes go through the worker. So we want to make sure we address that. So when Gay first contacted me, she said, let's do some measurement. The challenge was, and we talk about this in the book, in Chapter 10, which you all co-authored, that you had four different theories. You were using Watson's theory of caring, Swanson's theory of caring, Carol A. Coates' theory of caring, and Duffy's theory of caring. What was rich about working with you is there was 10 hospitals that were actually 11, because uh, we had one join the second year that wasn't in the first year. And what was rich about this is we were able to test several theories of hearing, not just one. And this provides greater support that hearing is important no matter what theory you are teaching and implementing within your organization. Then, hey, for example, you used Swanson's theory, and that was fantastic to have such a large sample to test the construct of those measures. We were able to do the same with Watson's measures and Curly Coates' measures and Duffy's measure. From a scientific standpoint, it was really wonderful. But what I'm really after in this session is to hear from you about, um, Gay, your vision about caring, because now you're a Watson Caring Science Institute affiliate. We'd like to hear about the maturation of caring within your organization. And Kay, as well with you, with, we'd like to hear from you regarding the use of the caring science specifically as it relates to Swanson's work. And then, Tricia, you and I have worked internationally and carried it on into 13 countries total, and we're doing international models, testing the models that we used in Trinity because we were able to show the connection between caring for self and job satisfaction and how that relates to the patient. So, Kay, let's have you just share a little bit about your vision for Trinity where it began and where it is. Okay, thank you, John. Thinking back a number of years ago, we were a growing health system, and within nursing, we wanted to base our practice on the best evidence and certainly on strong theory that would help guide our practice. And at one point, we recognized that if we were going to advance this work together, we needed to have common criteria. We didn't in any way want to force the adoption of any specific theory, but we started with looking at our values and our mission and then looked at what theories of nursing care really fit with what we believed we were all about within the Trinity system. And what emerged from that were some criteria for the adoption of a model of care and, and grounding that in theory that really accepted that any of a number of models of caring really fit with us and were a good match for our values and our mission. So individual organizations, that's how we ended up really testing four different theorists because each one of those really fit with those criteria and really aligned with our values. And ultimately, what we wanted to do was make sure that we brought the very best in nursing care to patients, that they felt that caring, that it made a difference, that it made a measurable difference, and that those models of care also really impacted the nursing colleague, that it made a difference to them, that it enhanced the environment of practice, the way they supported one another. And we wanted to measure that, too, and be able to show that this work that we were doing made a difference to nurses and to patients 
which would then just enhance going deeper with that kind of work. And it would also present the science to others who perhaps have a lesser understanding of these theories and why they made any difference. So that's how we really um, got started. And yes, we wanted to measure this, to be able to take this from what some people you might struggle to understand. The theory of caring, um, how do you measure that? Is that really science? And, and get it to the point where we could really show those outcomes. Fast forward to where we are today. We've grown and we are a larger system. And we recognize that we are under some tremendous strains. Uh, the pandemic is, is no secret to anyone. That's created a tremendous strain on patients and families and on nurses. Um, really challenges like we've never seen before. And we wanted to go deeper in our understanding of how do you take theory and really make that live every day so that nurses and patients, their, their experiences are enhanced by that. So we made a decision to uh, become an affiliate member of the Watson Caring Science Institute. And we currently have 30 of our leaders going through a leadership training program with Gene Watson and other coaches within Watson Caring Science Institute, and with the intention that those leaders can then bring new insight and practice and help coach the development of really tangible behaviors and processes and practices that will further enhance the experience of nurses and patients in this really challenging time. And I'll make one other note. We also formed an affiliation between one of Trinity Health Schools of Nursing, Mount Carmel College of Nursing in Columbus, Ohio, and they're now an academic affiliate of the Watson Caring Science Institute. And our thinking there is that we really wanted to take the development of caring science and move it upstream so that we're not just working with nurses who have graduated and are working in um, in the service sector, but that we move that into the curriculum and the development of of how how student nurses form their mental models of what nursing is. And so, um, so we're working on developing that uh, further upstream so that the nurses that are developed in the coming years graduate with an understanding of hearing science and why this matters and what the evidence is and how that will look in their practice. We're excited about where that step will take us. Wow, Gay, that is fantastic. That was uh, I was inspired listening to you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, training in caring science when we start talking with Trisha about the international research. Uh, but boy, that was inspiring. So thank you for that, Gay. Now, Kay, I'm interested. Um, Gay did such a nice job in reviewing the system-wide implementation of various theories that were consistent with their philosophies and um, contextual to uh, those organizations. So talk a little bit about your use of Swanson's theory of caring and how you have within your organization utilized that theory and concepts of caring to advance your practice, especially within this, like Gay said, these tough times. 
Thanks, John. And yeah, appreciate so much working with Gay and Tricia and, you know, some of the background. Um, ours really is a story of application of theory. We were in kind of a transformational period way back. So our experience really is in the early 2000s. When you think about this model of caring being kind of embedded in our culture, for us, it has been sort of incrementally advanced within our organization specifically. Back in around 2002 or so, we had excellent patient experience, patient satisfaction scores, but recognized as it relates to our professional practice model within nursing that we had wonderful outcomes from a patient perspective, but really didn't have a framework for caring. So set out very early on, we had defined standards of really behavior and how we care for one another previously within the organization, but didn't have a foundational model for caring. So we did some appreciative work around what is good about caring, really tossed around the idea of do we want to create our own construct or do we want to look at the various models and theories that are out there and in a very inclusive process with our nurses and our clinicians primarily at the time, decided that Swanson's mid-level caring theory was best aligned for us. When we looked appreciatively at what are our strengths in terms of what's good about caring, we couldn't create our own construct that was better than what Kristen Swanson had already identified in her mid-level caring theory. So really embraced her principles of caring, maintaining belief and hope in the patient, have since advanced this so that it's not just about patients, but about caring more broadly. And you can imagine maintaining belief and hope and how that applies today in light of what's going on, knowing the patient, being with the patient, doing for the patient, and enabling or facilitating care for the patient. So we really braced those. And over the course of several years, frankly, we implemented organization-wide initiatives with those principles really at the center, all about patient-centered, consumer-centered care, and literally have incorporated behaviors consistent with those principles into job descriptions and orientation and so forth. So really trying to incorporate the model of caring into our culture and when the opportunity through Trinity came up to participate in the research, we actually were designated magnet back in 2004. So I've been designated several consecutive times. It was just a great opportunity to advance the work to be able, you know, we have shared our model of caring work uh, in numerous ways, but to participate in the research around how does it translate what can we learn in a more scientific way about our culture, our caring model uh, impact? We were really excited to do that. We have continued that work in relation to um, nursing practice and more broadly, just the Mercy really experience, excellent, excellence in the Mercy experience is at the center of our model of caring now, not just patient, but 
colleague and self-care. You know, that's all part of our professional practice model and at the center of our caring model. And we continue to work with that today in application, especially relevant. Um, we know that in light of the great resignation and the challenges that we have with workforce today, people's ability to feel that they are able to care for themselves and that impact on teamwork and people's ability, staff's ability to care for patients in a way that the patient feels cared for is just obviously central to our focus today. Thank you for sharing that. I feel equally as inspired listening to you as I do Gay. Uh, what I appreciate is Gay as providing the overall leadership within Trinity, making sure that there's the umbrella of concepts of caring that are embraced, and then you as a regional uh, person uh, in leadership to uh, bring that down to the operational level, I think is inspiring. Pardon me, while I was looking down as you were speaking, I was listening to what you were talking about, about the operational application. And what I liked about you, Watson's theory, I, I work around the world, but um, I've worked in about 46 countries so far, But what I, and I find Watson's theory is by far the most used theory. But what I love about your use of Swanson K is it provided some really scientific rigor for Swanson's tool that we can get published out there. Now, we did some factor analysis for both the 15-item instrument. It originally was 18, but we, I won't get into that. You can read the book. But there's 15 items, and they're both the same for the caregiver asking about caring for the patient and for the patient asking about feeling cared for. Now, what's interesting is we found, and I shared all this with Dr. Chris Swanson, um, so it, uh, so she's aware of all of this. Uh, but anyway, in Chapter 10 in our book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes, and you're in Chapter 10, the three of you, we found two factors. And we found that there was the compassionate healer. There was 10 items, and this was consistent with the patient and the caregiver. But what was fascinating is the competent practitioner is what we called it, the items that loaded together were clinically competent, understanding, positive, technically skilled, and personal. And then the other ones had more to do with the uh, emotive aspect of caring. But it's interesting to see that when the, with the clinically and technically competent practitioner, personal, positive, and understanding, because you can't be clinically or technically competent if you don't understand the person you're interacting with. So I think the work that you've done within your system, Kay, within Iowa is so important to show that not only Watson's theory is important, but there's other ways as we evolve in our training, which Gay has talked about, which you've talked about, um, we evolve into intentional caring, not just happenstance or spurious, but that we are intentional about our operational application of concepts of caring. So thank you for that. I'm just really thrilled to hear you um, talk about this. So Tricia, let's talk a little bit about how not only the part you played in working with the system in our study in Chapter 10, but also how you and I have gone on into our international work, and you helped publish a Chapter 16, where we tested what we call profile of caring. We looked at what is the profile of the nurse caring for the patient as it relates to their caring for self, caring of their manager, their clarity of role and system, 
and their job satisfaction. And we found that in all 13 countries we've worked so far, we just published on eight, but in all 13 countries we've found that this model or this profile, the 35-item measure, is valid and important, and that caring for self does relate to job satisfaction. And that's true globally in nursing. So talk a little bit about your view in working with Trinity and how we've branched out in our international work. So thank you, Jen. I want to just call forward a couple of things I think were critically important in the work that we did at Trinity, but in our ability to be able to spread and replicate this important work so it's meaningful to staff nurses. As Gay and Kay both mentioned, it really was commitment of the leaders to come together around the construct of caring, um, the concept, and really to be guided by theory rather than being swung around by whatever may have been happening in a very turbulent environment. I think the two other drivers for us were, as Gay mentioned, we were growing and expanding. And so as you're bringing in new organizations into a large health system, there is easily a sense that what is important and what you value as a nurse, as a staff member, is not being recognized in the value that you bring as you become part of the system. And so I think that's an important piece to this because part of what we did was put common language to what staff nurses were telling us was important to them. And Gay and Kay both exemplified what it meant to have shared governance. We brought staff nurses from every hospital ministry together to have discussions, to learn with one another, to share with one another. And it really was this framework around bringing voice to what people think is important in their work and in recognizing that as we come together, we grow together because of shared values and guiding principles. One of the things that was critically important in all of this work, John, and you mentioned it, is this idea of caring by managers, right, support from your leaders, role clarity, who am I as a staff nurse when I walk in, and what do I mean to my team as I show up for work every day? And as Kay mentioned, it's certainly about nurses and caregivers, but it's equally about all of the individuals that are committed in the work. One of the things that was most important to me and I think has continued to drive me in some ways is putting language that's meaningful to staff and particularly staff nurses who may not love the science and the math and the numbers and the theory the way that I do, but helping them recognize what is important and what they value can be measured and quantified. It can be experienced. It can be enhanced. We can grow and learn around it, improve for all of us, and that really has been a strong influencer of my continuing in this work. And as you mentioned, after we did this work uh, with Trinity and the recognition that across a national ministry that continued to grow and evolve and address um, all regions, all sizes and shapes, because we had leaders like Kay, who then mentored others, and Gay, who set vision, my curiosity really was, is this universal in nursing, which is what I believed, but really couldn't demonstrate um, other than what I wanted to believe about humankind and nursing transcending space, time, and language. And so we really took these principles into the international arena, recognizing that self-care, care by the manager or the leader, whoever that is that's supposed to you, recognition around role clarity. What is it that I do when I show up that's meaningful to my colleagues as a member of a team or for and on behalf of patients and clients in an organization or the community that is able to have an impact and can be measured. The other piece of this work is it's great to care, but 
but if I don't have good clinical outcomes, if I don't have good organizational outcomes, if I don't have retention, if I can't measure it and quantify it in a way that is meaningful to people other than nurses, chief financial officers, CEOs, insurance payers, then all the caring in the world is not going to help me sustain my ministry or my organization. And I think that has also been part of the work that we've recognized internationally, John, that our ability to take the work that's been done in the U.S., guided by theory that has meaningful principles and values for the organization, and then being able to put measurement to it that is experienced by teammates, by colleagues, by patients and families as an extension the community, we can demonstrate for others that all of this work can be replicated. I think the most meaningful part for me, John, is truly the ability to demonstrate in these 12 countries where there's very different culture and we transcend time and location, but using really the principles that were called forward in the theory of caring, whichever theory was meaningful to these organizations, that we could quantify the impact on both the patient and the provider, ultimately the organization. And in our most recent work, John, I think you'll probably talk about it, our ability to quantify the things that we all talk about, right? Workforce issues for certain, retention and turnover and development and growth, which are all part of our identity as nurses, but equally falls and caudy and clabsy and miscare and harm that is obviously unintentional, but our ability to measure and quantify that certainly in the U.S., but now in other countries, is the work moving forward as we come together and continue continue this journey. And I think pandemic has certainly been globally unprecedented and has highlighted for all of us the best in what we have in healthcare, certainly in the discipline and the large and long-standing wounds that have existed both in our patient populations but in our systems. And I think we just have an opportunity to step in with data guided by research, informed by theory, to make the workforce changes that are going to benefit all of us going forward. Your review is inspiring, Tricia. So thank you for that review. And thank you for your continued work internationally. That's been not only enjoyable uh, traveling with you around the world, but to be looking at this with other academicians to make sure that our instruments uh, and measures are psychometrically and scientifically sound so that we have some footing to stand on when we make our argument that caring makes a difference for outcomes. Now, what was interesting to me as I listened to all three of you is you provided the operational review of the four foundations that in my book, and I've learned in my 21 years of doing analytics in healthcare, that the four things that are important for good measurement and good outcomes are good leadership. You've certainly talked about that. Good theory. Theory is the underpinning of any scientific inquiry. Operational involvement. You have to have the people that know the story involved with developing the measures and interpreting the data and applying the results, and good math. It's important that we have good math. So good leadership, good uh, math, operations, and theory. Those are the four foundations. Now, what I would like to talk a little bit about is this pandemic. This is on everyone's mind, and I think everyone's wondering, what should I do? Now, in our international study, we found that globally, it was important that caring for self and caring of manager be addressed because that impacts clarity. And what was interesting as we review in chapter 16 is the coefficient 
for the relationship between caring for self and clarity was 0.41. I'll explain this in a second. And then the coefficient of the relationship between caring of manager and clarity was 0.25. What that tells me is that if I want to help my nurses be clear in their role in their system, the first thing I want to do is enact a program for caring for self because caring for self has almost twice the impact on clarity that caring of the manager does. Of the six variables we measured of job satisfaction, we measured teamwork, communication with the manager, relationship with the patient, professional growth, autonomy, and rewards. So those six we measured. The only variable that had a statistically significant relationship with caring for self was caring for the patient. Of those six variables, when you care for self, at least the 2,046 nurses we studied in our eight countries, we found that if they cared for self, they had a better relationship with their patient. Now, that is so important. And the other thing is we found that caring of the manager, what did that impact? It wasn't even the relationship with the patient. It was the other social and technical variables important to do the job. It impacted teamwork. It impacted communication with the manager. It impacted their autonomy, and it impacted their professional growth. Caring of the manager makes a difference in the nurse being able to execute the social and technical aspects of their job. Caring, scientifically have found, is important globally. When I think about when I was a staff nurse, I was a staff nurse for 11 years. One of the main reasons that I left was because I had such grief when my patients died, but I didn't have the space to grieve and recover. I had to take the next patient that was very critically ill, and I didn't have the opportunity to do all of that ceremonial things with my patients to say goodbye because I loved my patients. And I know that just as we see in our research that caring for self impacts the relationship with the patient. Let's talk a little bit about what are your thoughts about how we might help the nurse care for self. And like Gay, you provided some concepts of what you're doing, but I think that this is important because I think what we're going to find in our outcomes measurement, that the nurses who have a high profile of caring for self, caring for manager, job satisfaction, and clarity, I think in our predictive analytics, we're going to find that that is the big predictor. It's not necessarily your patient variables or your system variables. It's the other big dimension of who's caring for you. What's the profile of that person? So let's talk about the caring for self, because I think this would be really important for our listeners to understand how can we help them care for self in the time of the pandemic. Well, I'll start. This has been an area of great concern for me, because in normal years, normal stresses of providing care to patients, that that care of self is critical. During the pandemic, I think that need has escalated some astronomical amounts. And we know that care by that net supervisor, that, that manager, is um, is a critical link. It's, there's absolute correlation there. And one of the things that I found is that during pandemic, particularly during times of surge, even the role of the nurse manager has really been disrupted. In many cases, the nurse manager has needed to provide direct care. 
because the need is so great that they've needed to step in. And so then they are a co-worker with their colleagues. I'm thinking of a story that I just heard last week of a nurse manager who for an extended time needed to go into direct patient care, also worrying about bringing COVID home to their family, lived in an RV for weeks with a space heater. So when you think about the nurse manager caring for themselves and then having capacity to care for those who are entrusted to them, you can picture a nurse manager really running dry and not having that capacity. And that is a story or, or similar to that that I've heard over and over. So it raises great concern for me about the direct care nurse also, the manager whose relationship with that nurse is so pivotal and our nurse managers who have always had a really vital role within the healthcare system and certainly most impactful to direct care nurses, that those nurse managers have been under tremendous strain trying to care for those nurses entrusted to them, but also stepping into a gap that has left them really drained. This is a really important topic for us to be talking about, and we need to understand it. I appreciate those comments so much. Even this conversation and discussions like this with the people who are most affected, our nurses and caregivers, is a wonderful step in self-care. It's such a chaotic time, like unimaginable. You know, probably all of us in our careers have really not experienced the chaos, the destabilizing impact of the pandemic in every aspect. So it's not just, as we all know, what's happening at work um, in our ministry, but it's happening in every aspect. We get, frankly, a little reprieve, and now we're kind of looking again, what are we going to be faced with in the weeks and months ahead? So people are doing a core examination of what's important to them. You know, really paying attention to the meaning of the work that I'm doing. Any intervention, any improvement, you know, what we need to focus on is really the meaning of the work. It's at that level. We're still in this acute situation. So I think intentionally thinking about and systematically thinking about what can we do around self-care in the immediate term. So right now, what can we do as people are examining, how do I feel about my work, my ministry, in the context of everything that's going on? Right now, how can we scrap each other up? And I think in part, it involves this kind of conversation with our folks who are involved in caring for direct care for patients and communities. And then at the same time, looking at what are we doing, how can we promote health in our caregivers and our leaders longer term. And we all know that the process of working on acute term opportunities is part of the longer term solution. And it gets back, Tricia, to your point, which I think is so important you know, engaging our people most affected in how we make it better is critically important and challenging because people are working a lot and 
again, it's a chaotic time, so it's hard to come together for this kind of mindful conversation, but I think it's probably more important than ever. And people have just been remarkable in their response, I think, to the pandemic and the challenges that we're facing. So just appreciating and recognizing in a way that really translates, I think is so important. I mean, the way the community reached out to our nurses and caregivers over the course of the last 18 months has been critically important, I think, in people feeling like this makes a difference and people are aware what's going on. How do we make sure the work is meaningful and aligned with why I became a nurse or why I became a respiratory therapist or a CNA or whatever? John, I think the two things that I keep coming back to both in our work here, but equally what we've been able to quantify and bring language to is self-care is really in the eye of the beholder. It's what people believe is important to them. And there can be some both shaming and naming when we talk about self-care. Part of it during the pandemic is recognizing that it doesn't have to be an eight-hour event or a big outing, but rather something that we find meaning individually. And I think one of the difficulties that we had in the pandemic is the exhaustion. And clearly those things that help us to build our resilience in terms of our path and what we've brought attribution to, um, they've all been modified. Our ability to help people find language, and I think, Kay, you said it really beautifully, the meaning in what they're doing is important. The other thing that we've noticed, and I think we've recognized both in the United States and, and in our work with Trinity, that really got us started with understanding what spirituality means to people. That sometimes it's not a formal religion, it's not, or it may be, it may be certain rituals and acts that become important to our underpinning and getting in touch with our values and what's important to us, both formally and informally, in terms of our spiritual beliefs. But then with that comes some activities and actions that people are able to enact through their own thinking, but equally the reminder. Um, and often it comes from their colleagues and their teammates reminding them, stop at the door and put your hand on the threshold of the door. Take a deep breath. I mean, it can be very different things for different people, but their colleagues and their teammates, again, can be that important reminder and reinforcer. So certainly the manager and the leaders need to try to set the tone and the example and to create the space for that. But it's these pieces of um, either spirituality, if that's the language people put to it, or self-care that we can reinforce that don't need to be huge and horrendous. Most importantly, they're meaningful. And I think, John, we, we saw that really transcend the work here in the U.S. as we asked people to put words and language to their own experiences. And that we say telling their story, but being able to make it clear and straightforward for people, not getting lost in really abstract thoughts, but helping people to connect what they identify as important to language, and then taking that next step, aligning that to what it means to use caring science to drive their experience to help us understand the impact that it has on others and the workplace, and then what each of us can do as staff members, as caregivers in our family, in our community, in our organizations, but equally, what do we do when we show up to lead in our teams, in our families, in our communities, 
Self-care doesn't have to be this lofty experience. Self-care is meaningful actions and rituals that we engage in to help find peace, help find some sense of connection to what's important in, in our lives and in our work. I think the shaming piece that I'm hearing, and again, not directly involved in operations any longer, but I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough, I'm exhausted. And so there's a lot of this expectation about what self-care is and whether we're doing it right. And I think part of what we can all help each other do is to find sort of comfort uh, in what those small but really big things are in our daily life. Maybe it's listening to music in the car on the way home and singing like a, a maniac or listening to music on the way home and letting the tears come right? Maybe it's dancing around in our house with music from 20 years ago because we remember things that bring joy, right? As we've kind of evolved with Swanson's mid-level caring theory at Mercy One Dubuque, for me, the most powerful stories are usually around maintaining hope and belief. So that first principle of caring, which is so profoundly relevant in the things that we're experiencing today and application to self-care. And so my ability to maintain hope and belief really sort of as something that is foundational in my ability to care for others. So I think it ties with that spirituality dimension, if you will, which we know is so important. I just want to say thank you so much for all three of you for sharing this deeply not only fascinating, but moving time together. I was inspired and touched by your uh, conversation. And I so appreciate, Tricia, that you brought up the MK, the spirituality and the hope, because in these distressing times, it's important that nurses understand when those concepts of caring of hope and spirituality and practice or tradition, that that's important because that gives them something to hang on to and to get the patients through those difficult times, or even ourselves. And it doesn't have to be a heroic act. It just has to be an act um, to get that process going. I just want to say thank you. Um, any closing remarks from any of you? Thanks for inviting us to be a part of this conversation, John. Okay, thank you, Gay, Kay, and Tricia. Hopefully we'll have learned from this pandemic that self-care and caring are an important aspect of preventing not only decreasing sick time and turnover, but decreasing collapsy falls and all those outcomes for those patients. So thanks all three of you for this time together. And I'd like to thank all of you listeners for attending our session today. We hope that it's been inspiring and moving for you as well. Mm -hmm.